Uh, today, as we uh, wrap up our message series, Amen, where we've been asking Jesus to teach us to pray just as his disciples asked him, this week, our, our focus is on that part of the Lord's Prayer that says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus himself and the writers of the Bible would want us to know that there's a battle going on that's not always visible, that takes place in what can be best described as the unseen realm, that there is an evil one and a team of demonic beings out there that are powerfully at work in this world and even powerfully at work in your life, in my life, whether we're aware of that work or not. So, okay, what do you think? Is it crazy to believe that Satan and his demonic beings are alive and at work in this world today? Or is that just a, a bunch of hysterical myths that some antiquated church people believe? Before you're too quick to answer, let me ask, has there ever been a time in world history where evil doesn't rear its ugly head in very dark, unimaginable ways? Has there ever been a time when people have not been caught up with some really dark, immoral behavior and life-destroying addictions? I mean, what really is behind the death of George Floyd and the ongoing entrenched racism that can be found in every part of the world, including our own city? Or what about the mess that we see right now in the Middle East? And why do people in the West so quickly take sides with one side or the other? Are not both sides gripped by the influence of the evil one, making truth and justice so hard to find? The Apostle John says, We know that we are God's children, and that the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. We are God's children, but we live in a world where not one single part of this world escapes the influence and damaging power of the evil one. The whole world lies under the power of the evil one. The whole world, including your world and my world. Jesus, he made the same contrast about why he came to this world. He, he came to undo the work of the evil one. He came to push back on the rule of Satan. Jesus said the thief, talking about Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We call it an unseen battle. But hey, we, we see the results of this battle everywhere. We see it in the homeless, the addicted, the abusive, the violent, the manipulative, the seducer, the fraudster, the unscrupulous. They are either victims of the evil one or instruments of the evil one. And while the evil one works in the unseen realms, it's not hard to see what he's doing. And Jesus came to undo the work of the evil one so that you and me can have that life and live it to the full. As for the unseen demonic side of all of this, let me tell you a story. A year and a half ago, Jane and I went to Cuba on a missions tour with our church family, the Christian Missionary Alliance. It was not all that long ago that churches were totally banned in Cuba. There is now limited freedom for churches. And one of the churches we visited was uh, in a very poor, uh, uh, very uh, densely populated part of Camagüey, Cuba. Camagüey is in the central part of Cuba, about 550 kilometers southeast of Havana. It is the second or maybe third largest city in Cuba. The Alliance Church in Camagüey is just awesome. In the midst of poverty, including their own poverty, I mean, there is no affluence in this church. They still do so much. 
When the last hurricane came through that part of Cuba, they took it upon themselves to build homes on the property they owned and, and to let families move into those homes uh, uh, rent-free. They are not a financially well-off people, but out of their own funds, they built homes for their neighbors who lost homes. Talk about making the invisible Jesus visible. Talk about living and loving like Jesus. Talk about pushing back on the destructive work of the evil one, pushing back on poverty. One building over and across the street from this church was a, a facility dedicated to the practice of what can be best described as a demonic faith that borrows enough from the Catholic faith to appear to be legitimate in, in Cuba. It's called Santeria. It's a combination of dark occultic practices that includes animal sacrifice and has as a central ritual a, a drumming, singing, dancing rite which encourages a, a spirit of the uh, orikas to possess you so that that spirit can speak to the people. This is big in many parts of Cuba. This temple across the street, which is really just a house, seem to be connected to the drug trade as well as maybe a prostitution ring, and people would be coming and going at all hours of the night. The neighborhood was just dark and unsafe in so many ways. So the Alliance Church in Camagüey decided to pray against this Santeria temple, that God in some way would just shut it down and you know, rid the neighborhood of such a demonic presence so that the streets would become safe again, so that the light of Jesus through the Alliance Church would shine brightly. It was less than a month, I think, before we arrived to visit this church when a fire with no known cause, a fire erupted in, in the interior of this temple that took out all of the worship areas and made the place uninhabitable for the priests and the priestesses who lived there. So that when Jane and I arrived, the place had only been recently abandoned. And there was an immediate change to the atmosphere of the neighborhood. But get this. We had to stay quiet, and the church folk there had to stay quiet about the fact that this church had prayed against this temple. Because the power of prayer, whether Christian prayer or pagan prayer, it was seen as so powerful in that part of Cuba that the church could have been charged with arson because they prayed. Sounds a lot like what the Apostle Paul says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The writers of the Bible are very clear. We are in a spiritual battle. If you've been around Fort City for any length of time, you know that one of my heroes is St. Patrick of Ireland. I've done a couple of full messages on him, one of them on St. Patrick's Day in 2019, if you happen to want to hear more. Because, yeah, there is so much to love about this guy and how God used him to transform a nation so much. On a side note, if genetic research at a Trinity College in Dublin is correct, I am one of about three million guys of Irish descent who are genetically related to the high king of uh, Ireland known as Niall of the Nine Hostages. He, he was responsible for conducting raids on Wales and Britain that saw uh, Patrick kidnapped as a youth. So I come, you know, maybe from the dark side, just, just saying, which I guess in a message on spiritual warfare, maybe I shouldn't say, but those are my genes, and I have some Viking in me as well, so I have a lot of fighting Irish in me. Sometimes that's good, and sometimes that gets me in trouble. As a slave in Ireland, Patrick was in the middle of a country dominated by dark superstition and druid paganism where human sacrifice was considered normal. 
like acceptable. After escaping slavery, uh, Patrick had a profound sense that God was calling him to go back to Ireland. He had these prophetic dreams that the people of Ireland were begging him to return and share the good news of Jesus with them. Just, just powerful stuff. And so called of God, he went back to the land that he escaped from as a slave. And he would, I mean, he put himself in instant danger of death for escaping as a slave. But God used him powerfully to push back against the fear and the darkness that gripped Ireland so that by the time of his death, Patrick left behind a Christian nation. It's an incredible story. Friends, God used Patrick to undo the destructive work of the evil one. He got slavery eliminated in Ireland. Human sacrifice became unthinkable. And war between the various tribes was incredibly reduced. That's pushing back against the work of the evil one. That is spiritual warfare. So yeah, with Holy Spirit, empowered courage, Patrick stood up to the bloodthirsty kings who ruled the land. He worked hard, passionately preaching the message of Jesus while establishing churches and monasteries that, that served the people, that just served them with love and compassion. God used them in a land that he describes as full of pagan barbarians, worshipers of idols and unclean things. And he saw the people of that land turn to Jesus in huge numbers. But you got to know, through it all, it was a deeply spiritual battle. Here's how Patrick describes one particular night. He says, while I was asleep, Satan assailed me violently, a thing I shall remember as long as I shall be in this body. I believe that the key to Patrick's success, the, the key to his authority and anointing as he pushed back on the dominant dark pagan practices of his day was because he learned how to pray. That rough time in his life when he served as a slave, as a shepherd boy in the hills of Ireland, he learned how to pray and to pray with passion. Let me, let me quote Patrick again as he describes his prayer life as a slave. In a single day, I have said as many as a hundred prayers, and in the night, nearly the same, so that I remained in the woods and on the mountain even before the dawn. I was roused to prayer in snow, in ice and rain, and I, and, and I felt no injury from it, nor was there any slothfulness in me as I see now, because the Spirit then was fervent in me. Friends, there is a strong relationship between ongoing, passionate, fervent, militant prayer and seeing the world around you change for the better. Prayer changes things for the better. Prayer pushes back on the work of the evil one and, and changes our world for the better. Prayer is that powerful. I mean, the entire history of one nation was changed because of the prayer and the ministry of one man. At least he was the catalyst to a great movement of God. And friends, you could be that man, you could be that woman. Your, your prayer could push back on the work of the evil one in your home, in our city, in our country, in this world. Your prayer could be that powerful. I pray most days a, a portion of what's called uh, St. Patrick's Breastplate. 
It's a prayer attributed to Patrick for spiritual covering, a, a prayer for protection in the middle of spiritual attack. It's a long prayer, so I don't pray it all every day. And the part I want to quote for you right now, I don't pray very often, but this will give you a bit of Patrick's heart for prayer and for prayer as spiritual warfare. Here's how part of his prayer goes. I bind to me these holy powers. And he's talking about God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Against, against all Satan's spells and wiles, against the heart's idolatry, against the wizard's evil craft, against the death wound and the burning, the choking wave, the poison shaft, protect me, Christ, till thy returning. Ah, I bet you haven't prayed a prayer like that recently. But I tell you, the key to Patrick's success, which shaped the destiny of Ireland to this day, was the passion, the vibrancy, the militancy of his prayer life. And let me just take a moment to call you to prayer like that, for passionate, vibrant, militant prayer for the mission of our church, Fort City, for the sake of this amazing city of ours. A little earlier in the service, I talked about the reopening plan for Alberta that we got from our premier, Jason Kenney. And I asked you to pray for the mission of our church, and I asked you to give to the mission of our church. Because truth be told, like Patrick in Ireland, the church in Alberta is up against some strong spiritual opposition in many cases, I, yeah, just simply orchestrated by the evil one. And not just Fort City, but like churches all across our country are, are a bit weakened right now. We are a bit exhausted. Church leaders all across the country are exhausted. Some of you are feeling that exhaustion. And this is happening right at a time when people in our city and, a, and across the country are hungry for a supernatural touch of some sort, are hungry for love of another kind. And you can be assured that the evil one will be at work trying to keep the church down at a time of such opportunity. So would you pray? Pray not just for yourself and your family, but do pray for yourself and your family. But, but would you pray for your church? That God would turn up powerfully and give us the energy we need, the volunteers we need, the finances we need to seize this moment as we seek to make the invisible Jesus very visible in our city as we seek to live in love like Jesus. Would you push back against the work of the evil one and pray for a great outpouring of Jesus on our city that, that our church would be one of many churches who are able to receive all the people that God is calling to himself in these days of the new normal. Hey, I wish I had more time to tell you more stories of the life of Patrick. Man, he so inspires me as I seek to push back on the kingdom of Satan. Patrick's fervent, even militant prayer is the kind of prayer we need to see the victory we so yearn for where Jesus overcomes the darkness of this world. And yeah, all of this is true for you personally. More than you realize, you live in a world where the evil one and his demons are always at work and at work wherever you are. But there's good news. The good news is that you can overcome and bust through the work of the evil one. You can bust through what the evil one is doing in your family, among the people you work with in this city. How? James, the brother of Jesus, writes, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourself to God. It all starts with a decision to surrender your life to Jesus, to give your life fully over to Jesus. I mean, no holding back. You know, the word submit, it's a strong word. 
But when you submit your life to Jesus, he, he fills you with his empowering Holy Spirit. He gives you the ability to resist and push back on the work of the evil one. When you submit yourself to God, you can take authority over the evil one and make him flee. We can, through Jesus, undo the destructive work of the evil one. Okay. The Apostle Peter writes, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Be alert and, and, and know that we do not have to be victims. Be alert and resist the devil and he will flee. Be alert and through prayer you undo the work of the evil one around you. And as you do, God uses you to change the circumstances you live in, to change life in your home, where you work, our church, our city. I'm talking powerful stuff. Holy Spirit stuff that powerfully changes lives for the better. But it starts with you submitting to God and being willing to step into the battle, into some spiritual war. The Apostle Paul has a, a well-known passage about all this. We've already touched on it a bit, but Paul writes, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Paul is telling us to stand our ground in this wild world we live in, Really what he's saying there is he's doing what James is doing, telling us to submit to God and resist the work of the devil. Take your stand against the devil's schemes, and when you do, he will fall. You know, in a world of collapsing morals, where trust in government is eroding at breakneck speed, where we're cynical about the major institutions that create stability in our society, where brutality and violence is yet again escalating, we need to see the schemes of the evil one behind all of this. We must see that part of what's going on in this crazy world of ours is because our world is under the power of the evil one. Friends, the devil and his cohorts are alive and well, and their destructive work is easy to see if you are willing to see. And so we're called to take our stand and resist. We are called to pray. We're called to look to Jesus and seek his mighty power to push back on the evil that is all around us. And our God has given us the ability, even the authority, to do just that. And hey, you resist the devil and you take a stand every time you share your faith in Jesus with someone who doesn't yet know him. Every time you invite someone to a church service or to watch online, sharing your faith is spiritually powerful. You resist the devil and you take a stand every time you forgive an enemy. Stand up to a bully. Care for the poor. Create something beautiful. Behave with honesty. Promote racial justice as you push back on ethnic inequality. You resist the devil and you take your stand when you speak words of hope. When you refuse to gossip. When you choose to act with love and kindness. When you befriend someone who is different than you. You resist the devil and take your stand when you pray fervently, passionately, militantly for the work of God through your church and in our city. James, the brother of Jesus, says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And Jesus himself asks us to pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray and do both right now. Will you join me in prayer, our Father? Would you forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us? 
Would you lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? And we, your children, humbly submit our lives to your leadership, to your lordship, and we pray, God, give us a fresh filling of your empowering Holy Spirit. And then with your spirit filling us to overflowing, would you use us to stand strong, to resist the devil and push back on his evil work in our lives and in this world? Would you empower us to live and love like you in the midst of a world that is under the power of the evil one? And as we live for you, may your kingdom come, may your will be done through us as it is in heaven. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.